shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. Ryan Kelly, that autistic guy. And thank you so much for taking the time to check out another podcast of mine, this special video podcast on my brand new podcast YouTube channel, Orion Kelly Podcasts. Now, I'm all about raising a level of understanding, acceptance, and appreciation of the autistic community. Obviously, I have my primary YouTube channel, Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. Go and check it out for all my content, all my video content. And I have a new podcast only YouTube channel, Orion Kelly Podcasts. Plus, you can listen to my podcast wherever you listen to your podcast on all the platforms. But if you'd like to watch and listen at the same time, well, you've come to the right YouTube channel. And I'm here to give you another insight into the life of an autistic person. Yes, Autism Feels Part 2. What it's like to be an autistic person on a planet not built for you. A autistic brain in a Neurotypical Planet. Welcome to Autism Feels, Part 2. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. For even more autistic content, check out the Orion Kelly, That Autistic Guy channel on YouTube. Let's get to this, my friends. I want to help you understand what autism feels like. So let's explore more practical you know, outside world feelings I experience as an autistic person, some of the daily challenges of life on a neurotypical planet. Let's kick off with sensitivity. This is a big one, I reckon. So autism feels like every part of me is sensitive. Okay, so any form of feedback, criticism, even just an opposing view for me can actually feel like a direct attack on me. This is no different between me and a stranger or me and my wife. There's something in my brain that if I state something, and then my wife states something back that may be opposing, but in a, in a completely peaceful, right, non-malicious way. It doesn't matter. An opposing view is a direct attack on me. The lo- it's the logical part of the brain. So you don't agree with me, you must, you must disagree with me, therefore you must be attacking me, therefore I must have to launch a defence, right? So an opposing view, feedback, criticism, it makes me feel as though the only option is to defend myself, by attacking back. Autism can also feel like, I guess you kind of have a, a superhero kind of hypersensitivity to senses. This could be good and bad. I often smell things people can't. This happens to my wife all the time. I'm like, what is that smell? That is driving me nuts. Where is it coming from? What is it? She's like, I don't smell anything. What are you talking about? What smell? Right? <laughs> what do you mean? And then we will actually identify it and go, wow, okay. And then a lot of times we're like, what is it with your smell? Seriously. So that's where I kind of get that, like that, you know, in joking way, that kind of superhero hypersensitivity. Sounds can be aggressive or violent to autistic people. Again, what's, you know, this, this kind of paradox is that autistic people can come across to some people as quite loud. 
That's quite aggressive, right? But un, unexpected, unwanted, loud sounds can honestly can come across quite aggressive or violent. And they can, they, they can startle you and the startling can lead to anger or aggression or, or, or whatever. People in distress, kids, babies. I, have this, I feel like I have this hypersensitivity to. I can't get past it. If I see my kids or babies distressed or wanting some attention and they're not getting it, I can't get past it. It, just, it. it makes me feel more than I probably should feel because they're not my kids, but I can't turn it off. We watch those medical shows, my wife and I, you know, like ED shows and stuff. So real, real people in ED and that kind of stuff. I, can, I like those shows. They're cool. But if there's a kid, God forbid a baby, I'm out. I've got to turn the channel, we'll go back. Or fast forward through, we'll turn the channel, we'll go back. Can't watch it. I just can't see. It's, I take too much of it on. It becomes too much. Also, autism feels like no matter how hard I try, I always seem to spot faults, gaps, errors. It's like there's mistakes in everything. Everything I observe, if there's a mistake to be found, an error, a gap, a fault, I will find it. Yeah, it's it's not something I uh, I like or I'm proud of. It's just it's, I just can't turn that off. It's a it's a hypersensitivity. So many different types of senses: things that I sense, things that I feel. Yeah, the world. Mm. Autism feels like the outside world will only cause me discomfort and stress, and as a result, staying in my safe place really is my only option. There's not much for an autistic person about leaving your safe space that won't cause them stress and anxiety. Everyone's different. I get that. For me, you know, leaving my house, there's not much about that that's not going to cause me stress and anxiety. Again, because the world around us can be overwhelming. It can cause us stress, anxiety, and discomfort. And as a result of that, autism feels like, well, then we really... No matter what the reason is, it's hard to justify doing it because if we leave, we are going to put ourselves at, at that type of risk. And again, it's not not, a, not like a standard risk, you know. Well, yeah, if you leave home, you know, who knows what might happen? I'm in a car crash, you might get hurt. But no, I don't mean that. I mean just the idea of opening a door, closing the door, going into the outside world, the oversensitive nature of it, the way you process it, feel it, experience it as an autistic person with a different brain, that leads to a different level of discomfort and stress where you think, no, this is just not for me. So let's talk about stress. Autism feels like you're a volcano of stress and you just try not to interrupt. You're just a volcano of stress doing your best to not erupt. <laughs> Being put under stress can lead to meltdowns, shutdowns, burnout, and an inability to convey your emotions and your thoughts and your wants with others. Now, this is important, right? So it's important you want to convey your emotions, your thoughts, your wants to others. But as part of being autistic, that interaction, that communication thing can be challenged, can be tricky. Conveying those types of things can be hard. Conveying your true wants and thoughts and feelings can be hard because it's like you think you're doing it, but you've done, completely misread, or not misread, but misrepresented what you're trying to convey or it's, it's, it's misinterpreted. Or, so that's hard. And of course, that causes stress. And there's many other things that cause stress, like I said being outside and your comfort zone, those types of things. You do feel like you're basically a volcano of stress and anxiety and you're just every day, all you're doing is just waking up and going, well, just try not to erupt today, mate. Like seriously, that's, that's what autism can feel like. Autism feels like I am able to experience phases where I will be able to produce 
or complete large volumes of work or large volumes or large hours of special interest time. Right? That would take others days or weeks to complete or undertake or even if they would want to, right? You lose track of time. You lose track of awareness of others. And you forget about self-care. So I could record a YouTube video, a podcast, edit, cut, do all these different things in the space of, what, six hours or something and not realise that in that time I haven't drunk anything, eaten anything or gone to the toilet. It just it doesn't even occur to me self-care or the awareness of others, time and space. It's not something that's there. So there's this hyper-productivity that you experience. Regular breaks to me seem stupid, like just arbitrary. What's... So when you say regular breaks, what do you mean? So you're saying I should enforce myself to have breaks from time to time just because they're regular breaks and that's what people do. doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you know, I'll break when I break. And you might go, well, you don't though. You just said you don't. You just said six hours working, you don't break. And that's true. But trust me, if I actually have to drink or I have to eat or I have to go to the toilet, I will. I just forget about the idea of monitoring maybe I should have a drink. Maybe I should eat. You see the difference? I mean, it's, it's subtle. I get it. So I don't feel the need for regular breaks. I just take a break when I need a break. <laughs> An autonomous life. There you go. Rather than what these people that have jobs where there's some sort of like contractual agreement where they, they have to have a set amount of breaks, a shift, and the breaks have to go for a set amount of time. Like I, I just find that bizarre. I get that maybe it's from an exploitation of workers' point of view, like a legal employment thing, but even that, I mean, well, so? So I have to, I have to force myself to stop doing what I want to do and to get to get it done for 15 minutes because I have to have 15 minutes or I have to go down the street for an hour and have a like who yeah. I've heard of these people that like they they spend an hour having lunch and they leave the workplace and they legit like just stretch the hour out to have lunch well then you've got the wrong job mate what do you find a better find a job you like do something that you actually want to you don't want to leave for an entire hour a day and force yourself to go back. And that might not be appropriate for everyone, but that's the one, that's how I think the logical sign. But if I was doing something in life, right, like for work and where I actually stretched every second out of you know, pre-arranged breaks and avoided the place for as long as I could, I'm in the wrong work. Okay. We talked about high productivity. I want to talk about completing tasks. Autism feels like I am strongly compelled to fully complete a task before moving on to another task or another action. So I guess what I'm saying is I find it hard to walk away from something until it's complete or resolved. You know what's really interesting about completing tasks? As you know, I'm an autistic guy, right? And you might not know I've, as an adult, like a mature age student, I've studied at uni. I studied, I studied law. I also studied arts degree. But anyway, what I'm saying is I experienced this not the demand avoidance thing um, specifically, well, I did, but I'm saying let's talk about the completing tasks thing, right? It, the idea that autism feels like you've just got to complete one task at a time and you can't move on to you've completed the task and it doesn't matter if it's irrelevant, right? I guess a household idea might be, you know, I'm not going to move on until I've found the, the TV remote. Um, even if I'm about to go to bed and I won't need TV for hours, I'm not going to go to bed or get ready for bed until I've found the remote. I need to complete that task to do new other tasks. Back to uni. Okay, so let's say I'm doing, I don't know, three law units in a semester. So one semester, three law units, um, all individual units, 
and all have individual assessments, right? Assessments might be in-semester essays and blah blahs and then there might be exams, right? So if they're all due at around the same time, I'll start one. But I, I found it extraordinarily hard to come to terms with the idea that I should do all three essays at the same time. In other words, I should flip and flop between three essays at the same time rather than writing one essay at a time because, well, the deadline will approach and, you'll, and it won't work and it'll go pear-shaped. Now, it never did for me, as in I never submitted something late or missed out, but what I'm saying is did it mean they were all to the same level? No. Because, so, for example, if there was, I loved criminal law. If there was a criminal law essay, I would absorb myself in that because I really wanted to do it, right? And I'd spend a lot of time on it. And then if it went to something that was a bit not as exciting, which for me would be anything to do with um, commercial law, <laughs> right? So property law or contract or whatever, you know, just the boring, the boring stuff that people do because they, they don't like having a nice life. Um, so, yeah, if I did that, well, that'd be last. And, of course, it's going to be crap, right? Because it's, I've waited till last, least amount of time, least amount – of ability to put time and effort into it, and I uh, said so it sucks, and it's a perpetuating cycle. Right? The best, the ones you like the best, you do the best in, and then not so great in the other ones. Um, so that's an that's an example of a real life example in in school and uni. You know, I found it I, I found it hard to understand the idea that I should I should work on multiple assignments at the same time, uh, and. I'm just trying to explain to you that, you know, that being an autistic person, you know, autism feels like that's not something I can actually do. And you can, you can tell me as a parent or a partner, I should, but it, it's not like I'm telling you, well, being a, you know, being a baby about it. It's, it's a, I can't process that or understand what you mean. That doesn't make sense. I'll complete this and then I'll complete this and then I'll complete this. All right. Routine. You've probably heard about routine with autistic people many times. It's kind of like one of the main diagnostic criteria, really, isn't it? It's like, like that restrictive and repetitive behaviours and things. So I think that's kind of where it falls into this. Let's get away from the kind of medical diagnostics and just talk about it more specifically. So a reliance on routine, on sameness, as if it was pure oxygen is the best way I would just describe it as an autistic person. So routine, sameness, predictability, plans, super important for autistic people. Now you might say, well, they're important for everyone. Yeah, that's cool. But I'm not talking about it from a point of view of, you know, just like a something that might make you feel better or be okay. I mean, I'm, you know, this has just helped me be better a person. I'm saying this is something that's actually required for an autistic brain to function, right? To be able to function in society, to be able to stay regulated. So it's super important. Autism feels like maintaining a daily routine is as important as breathing. Planning, preparing, cultivating a routine for day-to-day life quite simply feels as natural and necessary as the things you think are natural and necessary. Eating, drinking, sleeping. It just makes sense. I prepare for everything well in advance. It just is what it is. And this issue is changes to my plans and routine can and will seriously impact me. They'll impact autistic people. It just is the way it is. So I base my whole day, right? I base my ability to stay regulated around what I know I'm going to do. I have plans and I have prepared myself for those plans. This is what I'm going to do today. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, works like this. So my daily routines, they can be questioned by others. 
I can be viewed as unnecessary, as rigid, weird, or just lazy. So, okay, well, let's break that down. Autistic people don't just have routines as in today, I want to achieve blah and blah. And if something, you know, something happens and you you can't do that because life's happened or something's happened, that's a big issue. But it's not just about that. It's also about the other routines. It actually is routine-based for autistic people to do things like alone time or special interests or, or regulation time to maintain their ability to function in a neurotypical world, right? So when I say laziness, like if it's part of my routine every night where I just need, whether it's an hour, I just need to be able to just sit on the couch and watch TV of some kind and not do any other things. And you might think, well, that's lazy. You could like, don't complain about not being able to make podcasts if you're just going to blow an hour at nighttime on the couch. Right, but that see, that particular routine there is it, it's a regulation thing and actually helps me decompress and regulate from the day I've experienced. It's important. There are other things, right? There might be routines in foods you eat, places you go, and things you do, and in order. Whether you might, you know, there might be ways that you get dressed in the morning, or you know, when you do certain things, and they can't change, and they shouldn't change. The types of foods you eat is a routine. What do you mean we're out? Right. Or there might not be enough milk for the, what, how you like to have something. We'll just have less milk. Well, that's not how I have this. I know you're not going to judge it because that's not the point of what we're here for. Right? Okay. So routines, they're, they're, they're crazy important. And, you know, the bottom line is if, if I can't carry out my routines, you know, on a normal basis as I've seen them unfolding and as I need them to, well, you know, your whole mental state, is affected it's impacted it just is because it's you know your autistic brain thrives on them and requires them they need them so when they when they they're broken or breached then of, of course it's going to have an impact a negative impact on your mental health inclusion i could do a whole video on inclusion autism feels like you're invisible or irrelevant to the outside world it's as if they've decided you know what there's nothing i need to make the world more inclusive for me or we're still they just don't care. That's right. It's, it's like, it's as if the world has decided, no, you don't, you autistic people, you don't need, there's nothing you need. You don't need inclusive things. You don't need supports or adjustments. You don't need, what are you talking about? What are you, crazy? What are, what are you, you're just a dude. You look, and frankly, even if you did, I don't care. What you, it's, it's like, what, what are you talking about? What do you think? You think it's a disability? What is? You look normal to me. This is the problem. You are only autistic if you have an autistic brain. So look, like, so it's hidden. It's, it's almost invisible. It's certainly not invisible to me, but it is. It can be to people. It's, it's, but, you're, but for your brain, you're, you're not a living being, right? So it's a pretty important part. And if, if your brain is a thing provided you with a medically diagnosed disability or condition, well, who wants to put their hand up and go, well, then you don't need anything? What are you talking about? I just told you it's a medically diagnosed Disability, condition. What do you mean? And, and what do you mean you don't care? See what I'm saying? Inclusion is, is so important, but it really does feel like you're invisible and irrelevant to the world because maybe they think it's hidden, invisible, or not real. And as a result, you know, you're not included. This idea that people have decided there's nothing that we need to be inclusive or we can just get on with it is really detrimental. And it's, and it's not only detrimental to autistic people, but to the community because... Like this, this is a workplace thing too, right? 
if you just decide, well, mate, just live up to the HR expectations and just get on with it, you know, that's obviously going to impact that person. They're not, they might not work there or lose their job. That's going to impact them, potentially their family, their friends. You know, it's a, com- it's a community-wide ripple effect. We're trying to create uh, a quality of life for people here, and there's, there's no subcategory of human beings. Everyone should be given the same opportunities. You know what? People say it's too hard. It's just not practical. I'm sorry, mate. I get what you're saying. You're autistic. You've got these ideas on how we can help you in the workplace. But you know what? It's just too hard. It's just not practical. Autism feels like any kind of inclusion or support in the outside world is therefore BYO, bring your own. Can you imagine if you told some person who uses a wheelchair, yeah, you can work here, mate, but just make sure you bring your own ramp. (laughs) Can you you imagine? Oh, that'd go down well. So why is it different for autistic people? And that's why... You know, it can feel like there is no inclusion. In the end, autism feels like you are just irrelevant to the world. And you know what? It's actually not too hard and it's not expensive. It actually is very easy. In my opinion, and I'm really big on this, I reckon inclusions, adjustments for autistic people in the workplace aren't things. They're adjustments to people. Stick with me. This is not expensive. I don't need the dimming lights and the telling me to bring my headphones. And it's, it's not about things. It's about people. If we can just get the people you work with to have formed some sort of some sort of level of understanding, right, and appreciation of you as a person with a different brain, then then clearly that is going to be more valuable than telling you to bring headphones or dim the lights down, right? And I'm not we're not making people get PhDs here, but if if, you, if your staff have to go through other educational levels, you know, like I don't know, H, uh, HR stuff, fire safety, cyber bullying, you know, workplace harassment and bullying all that kind of stuff like seriously isn't this isn't this the same like some sort of education level on you know inclusive practices or different i mean you don't have to do all of them like you can look at your team and you go what what type of people do we have working here okay does everyone in our in our team understand and appreciate some of the differences experienced by some some people here who may have forms of disabilities or whatever so that tiny little bit of information will help and as like i said Best adjustments are to people, not things, when it comes to inclusion in the workplace, inclusion in society. And you know what? That's free, right? I mean, sure, you got to, oh, it's not free to come up with programs and stuff. Yeah, sure. But, you, I mean, it's, it's still less expensive than, than what you think I'm asking you to do, which is like, what, build me my own building or something. I mean, this, and by the way, too, you can say it's too hard, impractical, expensive, and it's not. What you can't say is, I don't need to do this. It's actually illegal. Like, we're talking about, a group of people with a medically diagnosed disability, just give them what they require so they can carry out their role to the best of their abilities like everyone else on the planet. Without that idea of adjustments and inclusions, autism feels like you are in effect rejected. You're invisible. You're irrelevant to the outside world. How would that make you feel? My friend, Autism with Orion Kelly. I really do appreciate you listening and Possibly watching this amazing video podcast. Just so you know, if you've watched the first video, I like to judge it myself. I think the first one, what did I say? Awesome. This one's amazing. How's, how is this podcast? Amazing. Self-diagnosed there. Anyway, I do appreciate your time for, for listening and watching this particular channel. Please subscribe to it if you haven't already. My solely podcast YouTube channel, Orion Kelly Podcast, is here to help you raise your level of understanding, acceptance, and appreciation of the autistic community 
You are amazing. Thank you so much for your support. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and binge all the podcasts, blogs and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.